You're listening to Proropod. Welcome as we, Portia the lifelong fan and Amanda the first time reader, discover the books of Agatha Christie. We are sisters who live on opposite ends of the U.S. doing a quarantine project and who love to be soothed by British murder mysteries. In this shithole of a moment in history, it's nice to have Poirot or Miss Marple solve it all. All right. Welcome to Poirot Pod. another... Live edition. Live Not edition. Live to live. In person edition. In person edition. This will probably home. come out <laughs> three months later, like usually when I have time to edit it. But then we're in person. We're in person because Amanda's visiting again. Yay. So, yay. Um, Today we're talking about Dumb Witness. Dumb Witness, 1937. We're moving through these years now. Right. Yeah, because we started at what, 20, 21? Even before, I thought it was like nineteen. I don't know. Yeah, no, but yeah, where it's, but because um, it was right around their pandemic, right? Nineteen eighteen flu. That's why I remember this because it was you know right, right. Um. So yeah. So dumb witness is another return of of Hastings. Right. Hastings is back. Hastings is back. Not this time, not to be a spy, and um. But it doesn't start like that. It gives you a chapter. Of, um, from the point of view of the murder victim. Yes. Which I think this is why I avoided reading it after it was over. Because I had not read this in years. Like, probably decades. Um, and I'm guessing... Do we need to take the wine charms off? Yeah, we definitely do. <laughs> I was like, it's going to be loud, so... It's going to be loud, so... I think that we'll be able to tell our glasses apart. Yep. Okay. Hang on, hang on. Oh, you have one too? Yeah, I have one too. Dang it, dang it. Here, let me hold it for you. Try to do that one handed. (laughs) Thank you, because I didn't want to knock it over. Okay, thank you. Yeah, so we don't have one too. Okay. So, yeah, I haven't read this. I think. You didn't rewrite it. You never reread it. I never reread it, and I was like, why didn't I reread it? And I think it's because it starts out with. The, from the point of view of uh, a murder victim, and you kind of like you like it when I like it when the murder when victims you, are anonymous you, or we hate them. But when I start sympathizing with them, and then I'm like she's gonna die, it's sad. It's so funny. It's yes, that's right. <laughs> You're not Thank wrong. you for acknowledging my feelings. That's right, but. I just think it's fascinating that, that that's such a subtle line. Right. Where, like, you can enjoy a murder mystery. As long as we start but after. Like, and you're willing to vilify most of these people just for being old and rich and kind of stingy. You're like, well, no one cares. I've listened to, like, you know, when I'm editing our previous episodes. And you're like, well, they, they were old and stingy with their money, so. So we should kill them? <laughs> and you're like, so I didn't feel bad at all. And this is the same type of character because you, she got a little bit of first person. Yep. Wow. First person. But also, <coughs> more importantly, she has a dog. Right, which is why I loved this one because I found that the... So, if you haven't read it, or it's been a little while, the 
narrator who is Hastings gives voice to the dog's thoughts and and what he is communicating when he's around the humans and it is adorbs it is adorbs and actually the first chapter where it's from her point of view it does switch to bob's point of view mm-hmm. and so he'll like if, he, if someone comes to the door he's like oh is it i'll tear them limb from limb and then when they come in the door he's like oh well hello oh i like you you used to my you know great to see you again been been uh been around a cat recently interesting like so he just like it's so cute like that and it goes throughout the book it's like in there and like and when they go to the butcher and then the butcher's dog has an interaction with with, with, with bob. bob bob, bob the, the dog, dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah bob is um a fox terrier and he's just adorable and he's is your computer working uh it just decided to open up powerpoint <laughs> <laughs> that seems normal <laughs> You don't believe in Mercury retrograde, but I can't get into my Gmail, and PowerPoint decided that it's time to, time to go. It just decided to open up. Okay. There well, probably is a presentation I'm supposed to be working on, and it's just reminding me that like, I'm behind on some presentation I'm supposed to do. Right, right. But anyway, so I loved it for the Bob stuff. And, again, I like the fact that Hastings wasn't an idiot. Right. I think that he was just a normal person. We don't quite understand why Hastings seems to be popping back and forth between Argentina and England. Because he again mentions, I'm visiting from Argentina. But again, he's here for months. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't there during the entire last book. Right. So, um, so there's a little bit of like, how does this work? Do you spend six months with Praro and then six months with your wife? Is It's like a, a two-relationship <laughs> I have one relationship on each country kind of a situation here. Yeah, we don't know. But but that's none of our business, you know? Relationships are complicated. Relationships are complicated. Maybe his wife is like, please go be with Pro because you're driving me crazy. Right. Just go spend six months for Pro, solve a murder, and then come back and yeah. I'll have missed you. Yeah. But but he's not an idiot. I, I like their relationship. He's Pro is not abusive. Right. In this one. So... And then, and then he, you know, the way he interprets, it's mostly through Hastings interpreting the dog, but sometimes those, those dog narrations, Hastings isn't there. Right. So it's also just the pure narrator. And it's just so sweet. Yeah. it's just, yeah, the best, which I, and I believe the. But I, so that you were bothered enough by that first glimpse of. That's what person. I'm guessing because it's one of those things like there are some books that I've reread a few times and there's some books reread a bunch of times and then there's ones that I've read so much they're falling apart this one i didn't remember who did it that's how i remembered one scene so when they go when hastings and perot get into the case and they go to the house and meet bob um then they talk about they have a conversation bob narration and then they talk about how bob always barks at the mailman Mm -hmm. and then they're like why do dogs do that and perot was like oh it's very clear their job is to make sure the bad people don't come in the house. Some people are allowed in the house, and they are good. And some people aren't allowed in the house. Try to come in, they can't get in. They try to come in, they can't be in. So they're clearly horrible, because they keep trying every right, day. the mailman comes, and I, at this time, he said multiple times a day. Right. I think they get more than one mail delivery. So the mailman comes to the house, is not allowed in. So he clearly must be bad. And I, that is the only thing I remember from that book, 
was Caro's <laughs> description of why dogs hate mailman. Because it must have stuck with me where I was like, oh, that totally makes sense. What's funny, of course, is that Bob is like, Poirot is like, Ugh, they do not get along, which makes sense. I cannot imagine that Poirot would like dogs from the description of his fastidiousness. Right. And I can't imagine that a dog would like Poirot. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and, and, and even the dog's narration is sort of like sniffs him and says, not really a doggy person, and walks away. Like, yeah, yeah. But Poirot clearly understands, like, he, his he, thought process. He respects him. Um, but yeah, that was the only thing. So it was actually kind of fun because I read this and, and I didn't... You're on the edge of your seat again. I didn't know who did it. And it was kind of fun to be in that situation again with an Ag- Agatha Christie because so many of hers I've read, but I'm like, what is it like to not know who did it? And this one, I was like, I don't know who did it. I've got this combination of bad memory, and I think because we're reading them so densely, I read them because, you know, we have more time to read than to record, and then I reread them to, like, record with you, or just because, like, you know, I'm looping back around, and I I forget the murderer again, and I'm like, dang it, I just read this, like, within COVID, at least. You know, That's funny. It hasn't funny. been that many times, and I'm like, man, my memory is bad. <laughs> That's funny. So he was on the edge of the seat again. Well, we should do the okay. plot. Yeah, so let's so there so the woman who you I started to identify, identify with. with. So she is Emily Arundel? Is that how mm-hmm. you say it? Mm-hmm. I think it's the um name of the town in Frozen. Oh. <laughs> it sounds like to me Arundale. 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 Like the same thing. <laughs> nice. Um and she is a well-off and they didn't know how well-off until she died. Yeah. But, but she never got married, so the they do and they do work. this whole backstory of like her dad and her sisters and all the things. She yelled at everybody and it wasn't that interesting. And her dad was an alcoholic, but that was a thing, and but she didn't talk about it anyway. It doesn't it doesn't really matter. It doesn't like all this backstory to why she's rich, but she's rich. And then she had brothers and sisters and they some of them had kids. So she has um two nieces and a nephew and one mm-hmm. niece and ne- uh, nephew are brother and sister, and then there's another niece who is from a different a and different brother and sister. The brother and sister, niece and nephew, are not living with her, but are like visiting a lot. And they're unmarried, but the brother and sister. And and they seem, the, the brother and sister seem like the kind of like society people who grew up with money, like to party. But don't have their own money, so they're like, it, that sort of like spending money, hope, like assuming that my rich aunt will give me money when she dies. Right. Because they are, yeah. And um, and they kind of come off like terrible people, both of them. Both of them do. Although, the woman, Teresa, so that's, it's Teresa and Charles, right? Yeah. Teresa apparently partied like everyone. She was a 30s flapper, probably. Um but then just recently fell in love with a doctor, doctor who's who is serious. He's a, a general practitioner doctor right now, but he wants to get into serum therapeutic research. Yeah. Um, but that costs money. And she went from being party girl to be like, I love this man and I would do anything for him. But she's still not really out about that. Like, she still likes to come across as party girl. I don't care about anything. But then they always talk out. about how she's got, like, bright red lipstick. She has all the fashion. And um, what very white face, because it was the fashion to make it, the contrast be your face and your lips. And dark hair. So she right. just probably looks striking. And she had all the fashion. Right. And, it, and she kind of tries to undersell the fact that she's in love with this doctor and wants to support him. 
saving the world. She like she's not really out about that. She's right. out about being a terrible person. She's out about yeah, I'm the party girl. And then her brother is definitely a terrible person. Yeah. Where he cuz they clearly had a family that had a fair amount of money. Um and so he went through it and then started forging. Right, that's right. Um, and he got kicked out of college or something for forging. For forging. Um, but he's apparently charming. Very charming. So I keep thinking about early Hugh Grant. Like, charming, but a terrible person. Yeah. You know, where you're like, you're very attractive, but also you. Yeah. And, so, then, and then the third uh, niece, or the, the, you know, the second yeah. niece, is from a different sibling. So that she's not, you know, she's And she's a little bit older. And she has married a Greek guy. Uh, yeah. Greek, I, yeah. Like, and they spend a lot of time, and the, again, we, we talk about is Agatha Christie participating or commenting on it. She's definitely commenting on it because they spend a lot of time on like how people hate on the fact that he's Greek and that Emily was prejudiced the fact that, up against the fact that he was Greek. And like everyone in the book is like, ugh, he seems like a nice doctor. He's very charming and he's great. But he's Greek, so I hate him. Like, right, and it's t- they own the fact there's nothing to hate about him except for the fact that and he her, is Greek. And, and they're like, was, I don't know, he's Greek or Syrian or something brownish. I don't like it. Right, and so it's so interesting because they were trying to talk about what what it was worth to be Greek or a Turk. You know, like there was a definite conversation about that. And they went and they were like rounding off too. Yeah, Greek, Syrian, or Turk. from the Argentine, which is funny to me because that's where Hastings lives. But there's definitely, like, why do British people hate Mediterranean brown people more so than, like, Africans or... Well, they will marry the Greeks but frown upon it. The Africans are not human. Right. Oh, fair. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Like, so I think that, like, I don't... But they kept on talking about how... Yeah, everybody kept on talking about there's this... Argentinian, Turkish, there's a, there's a slur that starts with D that they use, D-A-G-O, um, that, uh, and it's like the specific thing that they're like, oh, I hate those guys. And it's like, right. the, over the course of British history, the people you've gone to war with have been the French. Yeah, no, but I, no, it, it seems like racist. And yeah, I race, mean, it's I definitely mean, like, racist. Definitely, but I just, I mean, like, and like, it's like. People who are anything less than, like, literally based on colorism. Right. Like, the browner you get, the less human you are. Right, the, right. It seems like that's it, right? Yeah, it definitely seems like it. But I felt that the the book definitely wasn't participating. It was heavily commenting, commenting on it. Commenting on it. Because they, they had several characters, even just side characters, be like, well, you know she married a Greek, and... Or a Turk or a Syrian or something, and he's a great doctor and a wonderful person and a great husband and he's great, but I hate him anyway... Because Greek. Right. And then... And they think that's a reasonable thing. But but the book does not say, yeah, that's right. Well, and then I felt like the book tried to use that prejudice to make um, us think that he was a horrible person. So we have to get into the plot. But there was definitely this... The book was like, you know, he's a horrible person. Yeah, like, there's totally. a, there was like all these hints um, through the the thing trying to tr- through this plot trying to trick us and then it turned out he wasn't right um and so okay so the plot so 
So Emily has everyone visiting, and it seemed like definitely everyone because it wants was Easter. Money from her, it was Easter, and or they something. know. And she's basically said that she's going to leave them all money when she dies. So these nieces and nephew all come visit on a regular basis to be like, "Hey, remember me in your will." And Bella married the doctor Tainos, and they have two kids, but they didn't bring the kids. It was just Bella and right. Mr. What is his name? First name. I never don't know if I got anything. Dr. Tanios. And Tanios is what. Right, but what's his first name? Bella and Doctor. We don't know his first name. Apparently he has no first name. He might have it in the book, but I missed details. Um, Audio reading. So yeah, Teresa. Audio reading is really listening. There's a verb for that already. I didn't have to say audio. (laughs) It just makes you feel like I read the book, but you didn't. You listened. You got story time. (laughs) It's story time. Story time is good. So Teresa and Charles and Bella and Dr. Tanios? Tanios. Tanios. At least according to Hugh Frazier. Okay, I, I will, I will, yeah, I'll, Tanios. So those four are visiting. And then one of the nights that they're visiting for a period of time, um, Teresa's fiancé comes. Because she's engaged to this doctor. The other doctor. Right. There's a lot and of so, doctors. Yeah. So as, like, during that overnight, so, so we have the character of Bob the dog. Not but not to be confused with Bob the drag queen. I love Bob the like it's because it's like a different name that you wouldn't name a dog or a right, drag queen. Right. But anyway, so Bob the dog um, is like an active participant. There's a whole thing about him and his ball and how he'll bring his ball to people and want people to throw it for him and all this thing. And he leaves his ball around, but he's also you know. So the Emily in the middle of the night has a fall, falls right. to the bottom of the stairs and. Um, it's an accident, and she but, doesn't die. Right. Actually, she's hardly hurt at all, but she actually, she lets go of her I mean, prejudice. She's, just, for she's, as, she's as hurt as an old person who fell on the stairs. Like, she's not, not hurt at all. She's in bed. Right, but she she's doesn't hurt. break any she's bones. She's banged up. Yeah, she's banged up. But, but she's I remember, not, no brain injury, no broken bones. She's not in the hospital. And Dr. Tanios? Tanios. Tanios um, picks her up. I'm not saying that's right, but that's... Okay, but we'll go with what the audiobook says. Um... But he picks her up and, like, tucks her in and makes sure she's okay. And all of her prejudice went away for just that moment because it turns out that, you know, he was a doctor. Right, and knew what he was doing. And knew what he was doing. Um, and earlier that, well, during the stay, because it was, that was the night before they were going to leave. Everyone was going to leave. But earlier in the stay, everybody went up and asked for money. Um, Charles started it. Then Teresa, and, and then... And Charles wants um, money for debts because he is a ridiculous person who yeah. was money for, for frivolousness. Teresa wants it because she's going to get married to the doctor and she wants to be so, him to be able to not have to be just a general practitioner. Like she wants him to do research and save lives with serums. And then Dr. Tanios wanted Bella to talk to her aunt about money for them to go to boarding school in Britain because they've been living on a Greek island. Right, and they want they want money for the, their kids to have a better education. Um, and Charles basically said to Emily, you know, if you stop... Because she told them all... She's like, always saying, stop asking me for money, you'll get it when I die. And he's like, well, if you keep saying that, somebody's going to kill you. Yeah, she basically, he basically said that to her. And she was like, okay, I know how to take care of myself. And then, like, two days later... She, she fell down, down the stairs. stairs. And, they, and they, they, the whole thing with the falling down the stairs is that they said 
that Bob had left his ball at the top of the stairs and that she tripped over it in the middle of the night. And so she starts to think, like, wait a minute, I don't remember stepping on uh, a ball. And then I can't remember if she ever found out that Bob was out, had gotten outside. But yeah, basically Bob was out for the night, and so... He couldn't have left it. So she starts being uneasy, and so she writes to her lawyer and to Hercule Poirot. And then that's the last we hear from her. Portia starts weeping. Uh, Portia starts weeping. I mean, yeah, she had some issues. She was definitely a grumpy old lady. But, you know, don't you got me all excited about caring for somebody. <laughs> I just think it's funny because, like, these other people who were stingy also, like, were people. I know. And just because people have been, you know, set boundaries around their philanthropy with their dumb relatives anyways. <laughs> Fair. You're right. I just say she's not I'm... different from these characters that you were like, I don't care about if that person died at all. That's why it's not sad. Murder's fine. So then um, Poirot gets the letter and then reads it and then realizes that it's like a month later. Yeah. Over a month later. Because she wrote it like mid-April right after Easter. And then um, uh, he doesn't get it till June. Right? Or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Whereas it was like, yeah. And so he decides to go to Market Basing, which is the name of the town. I should be impressed that I remember this. I'm very impressed with you. Because, and check it out. And Hastings is like, thought the letter was dumb. Hastings thought he was like, because she also spent a a really long time to get to the point in the letter. It's also, I think, so I would recommend this book, although Portia is sad about the first chapter. I love the dog narration, and I think the... The, the the writing of the letter that she wrote to Poirot was hilarious. Because she basically, it's like a stream of consciousness. And there's and lots of like, underlining. Yeah, there's underlining and she never says anything. She's just like, I mean, I'm writing to tell you, but maybe I shouldn't tell you. But I'm thinking, but I'm not really sure. But, it was but I have suspicions underlined, underlined. And the ball and suspicions and this and that. And she never says anything. She's underlining stuff and there's no complete sentence. And there's, she doesn't say anything, but Proro being Proro, he's able to say, like, infer right. that she thinks that someone attempted her life. But it, it's, it, it was comical, except for the fact that, you know, she's talking about someone trying to kill her. Right. But her trying to get it out. Right. It's, yeah. So he decides to go to this town, and Hastings is like, this is weird because you have nothing. And, and so he goes to the town and goes to her house, and then... Finds out that it's for sale. That's wait in the book. Is it? Uh, is there like a picture of the letter, or is it no, described? It's described, so including it. the description of the underlines. Okay, because that it was comical. That's why it was comical. I think if I had read it, it wouldn't have been comical. Like if I had seen like just right. a picture but of the letter, single line, double underline, because then it says double underline. Right. So um, I have suspicions, and Bob and the ball, and you're like, what is she talking about? So they go to the house and it says the house is for sale, but they meet Bob outside the house and he is like, ooh, are you visitors? I'm angry at you, but also I'm intrigued. <laughs> um, and so then they go to the house agents, I think this is what they call them, mm-hmm. and uh, the house agents are like, yeah, the owner died and the new owner, oh, we forgot even to describe the companion. Oh, right. Before we get to this. Like several other people in our 
Agatha Christie universe, she has a companion who is a dithering woman um, who, I can't other, what other words to describe her besides dithering? Um, they kind of describe her as not smart. Not smart. At some point, they use the word slave to describe her, like, how um, she's treated by Miss Arundel. Uh, like, Miss Arundel would be like, oh my god, you're so stupid, just put that there. And then she'll be like, I'm sorry. So she would go back and forth, where she'd be like... Well, they described her as sort of, like, abusive but generous. Right, where she'd be like, please stop talking, you're just making stupid sounds. I'm sorry, <laughs> you're doing fine, thank you very much. But she'll, like, at the same sentence. And, you know, I kind of had a little bit of sympathy for that. Because there have been times when I'd be like, oh, God, please stop talking. Okay, I, I, it's not you. I mean, it is you. <laughs> to who? Your companion? <laughs> Do you have a paid companion I don't know about? A dithering paid companion? Yeah. So, um, the companion had been there, like, a year and dithered and was fine and tried to take care of her. But basically um, is a paid person who's not a nurse. I mean, she has a doctor, but just makes sure that Miss Arundel has what she needs. Speaking of which, why don't they have those anymore? Is this what we're, you know. Um, but anyway. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, anyway, so this, uh, she, Miss Lawson, something Miss Lawson. Lawson, yes. So anyway, so then she's the companion. And so Poirot shows up. They go to the house agents. They find out it's her for sale. And then they mention... It's Minnie, right? Minnie Lawson? Oh. <laughs> Bob has his own character listing. Nice. Minnie. It is Minnie. I did not know Wilhelmina. that... I did not know that Minnie was short for Wilhelmina. And then... I'm going to start calling her Wilhelmina Mouse. Jacob Tanios. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I never. We, I don't think we heard Jacob a lot, but we did hear Minnie Lawson. So, um, anyway, so Miss Lawson inherited the state. That's the first we heard. Is when they go to the house agents. So they get there and they're like, right. And Paro does something in this that he's never done before, which he does a whole bunch of undercover work, badly. <laughs> yes. Where because he goes to the house agent and he says he's looking for a house, and then he goes to like. Um, oh, he does do that. He goes to... he normally does, like, a Bond thing. Like, I'm so famous, I can't be undercover. Right, where I just... People give me facts, and I just tell them things. But, of course, in this case, and we find out later, that he's saying that his client is the dead person. Like, there's no one hiring him to do this because right. she's dead. So he's like, I'm acting for her. So he... Yeah, the house agency pretends he's buying. He goes to her best friend and pretends he's writing a book about her dad... Goes to the doctor and says the same thing. Goes to um, the niece and nephew and says he's there to contest the will. Mm -hmm. Because, of course, it turns... So, yeah, I think we, we, we breezed past it, but... Pass me the wine. Oh, yes. Um, uh, so, what happened was these nieces and nephew are expecting the estate. But when the will was read... All went to the companion after just you know legacies to the servants or whatever. So that was a big shocking finding when she did die, and she died about a month after the fall down the stairs. No, it was more like two weeks because she started to not. She died briefly. Briefly, but both of them had a chance to visit after the fall. She died briefly after the fall, and then her writing Pro wrote a letter. Um. 
but uh, and then it, when they did the reading of the will, it all went to the companion. And the companion acted shocked. She had no idea that was going to happen. And so did all of the relatives who were like, what's happening? And then they were told by all the lawyers, like, there's no contesting this. This is a, this is a valid will. And the lawyer told the story of like being called in and him being like, are you sure you want to cut your whole family out of your will? And he kind of thought that she would change her mind, that she was just mad and that she would change her mind, but then she died before she did. And of course, and she died of an apparent liver disease thing that she'd had before. Um, One of those old timey things like bilious or something. Right, right. Old timey disease. (laughs) I don't know what it is now times. So, um, yeah, so she, we know that she did this. Now, looking back, I'm going to spoil, she did it to stop herself from being killed. Mm-hmm. Because she thought, if I make it so you won't get any money when I die, then you won't kill me. Right. The problem is that she only told one of the people. Um, she told the one that she thought was trying to kill her. She definitely she was wrong. Right. She definitely thought it was Charles. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, to be fair, Charles. He had threatened her. He was like, hey. You're going to be bumped up. bumped up. And she's like, well, don't worry because the money won't go to you. Right. So she basically, so like, um, Bella and Jacob, now we know, came and visited like a weekend later, kind of like checking on her. And then Teresa and Charles came the next weekend because they were like, oh, no, no, no. You're going to cut us out. And then while they were there, she told Charles, she was like, I'm in a new well and I left everything to Mrs. Lawson. Why are you making a face? Because I realized I was moving while you were talking and we oh. and we tested it. The background noise is very loud. So pause. Okay. <laughs> Russell, 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 Russell. Okay. And we're back. And we're back. Yeah. Just your, your face looks so alarmed. Like, oh God. And I was like, what did you, you Because I do the editing and I know it's going to be like, Portrait says something really important and in the background. I'm like, <laughs> fair, fair. Um, so yeah. So she told uh, Charles and was like, I'm giving all my stuff to um, Mrs. Lawson. And he was like, well, that sucks. But she thought that she was now making herself safe from the attempted murders. The attempted murder. So, but it turns oh, out. Oh, oh. So, she thought the ball thing wasn't true. And we don't, we won't go through the entire linear order of Praro's investigations. But basically, at some point, he gets to the house and he's inspecting it as if he's going to buy the house. He doesn't tell them who he is yet. But he's looking around and he finds a nail at the top of the stairs. That has been like that's recently placed and been varnished, and he so it looks like the wood yeah. that someone has tied a string across the top of the stairs between the railing and this nail to put like a you know like a clear string or whatever so that she would trip and then blamed it on Bob and his ball. And so it's actually a misnomer. The title's a misnomer because the, the title is dumb witness, and Bob didn't see anything. Unless but, the witness was Miss Lawson, who saw them put the nail, and she's dumb. Right. I thought they were using dumb. In so did the I. I just thought of that. Of like, and like dog, 
Bob's dogs on the cover. And he can't, yeah, and he can't speak. I thought it was the old-timey term of dumb, meaning does not speak. Does not speak, yeah. But you're right. Maybe it was just Miss Lawson who's dumb. I just thought of that. not smart. <laughs> I just thought of that, so I don't know. But yeah. Did they use dumb to mean not smart back then? I don't know. Interesting. But, uh, but yeah, so, because Bob didn't see anything. Bob didn't see anything, yeah. But, um, so, Prowrow deducts, and of course, there's, there's a whole Hastings Prowrow dance where he's doing this thing, pretending he's going to buy the house, so he gets this, it's, it's, it's this whole drama of him, like, figuring out the nail thing and, like, tricking the house people and then telling Hastings that that wasn't an accident, it wasn't Bob, and Hastings not believing it, but it wasn't as annoying as some of the song and dance of that in some of the books, where, like, Hastings, like, you're just trying to make a murder out of nothing. Um, but it's, it doesn't go on too long. It doesn't go on too long. either of them. And I, the fact that Parra was doing all this pretending to be somebody else was kind of novel. You know, there was a fun yeah. part about that. And then what he does is, at finally, at some point, he gives gives it up at the house and he's like I'm actually not trying to buy the house um I received this letter from your mistress but she was clearly dead because but it was taking a long time and so the housemaid or whoever is like yeah I felt really tortured because after she died I found this letter it was addressed to you but it had never been sent and I wasn't sure what to do and I did want to give it to Miss Lawson even though she owns the house now because it's none of her business so I just put it in the mail and so now and we it have... turns out when Miss Lawson finds that out because she's kind of like both doing this humble I can't believe I got all this money thing gersh slash also I'm the mistress of this house now and right. so when she finds out that the maid sent that onto Promo she's like I'm the owner of this house now she should have asked me right 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 and so she she she's sort of upset about that but so now he's on the the once he reveals that the house staff really respects him because like they were very loyal to right Right. Miss Arendelle. And so they're like, oh, okay, great. You know, they want to help in any way that they can. And they know that he's sort of investigating. Right, right. And that their letter did something good, right? And, um, and what? I was just trying to think, because the other character, so we have the best friend who he goes and says he's writing a book, and she doesn't buy it. She doesn't buy his... Yeah, she sees right through him. And then he goes and talks to her doctor, which is a different from... Either of the doctors that her nieces are marrying. Right. And um, uh, Praro goes and tells the same story about writing a book. And then he's like, yeah, she had this liver thing. And, you know, it came back up. And it's... But important point, he had lost his sense of smell for some reason. The doctor had lost his sense of smell. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so then... He ends up talking to everybody. Teresa, Teresa's fiance, a little bit, not a lot. Yeah, and that's the other, like, it's a, it was kind of, again, like you said, him going into these undercover. He also does this, like, deep, I don't even know how to describe it, but he, when he goes to Teresa Lawson? No, that's Minnie's last name. Teresa, no, Teresa Arendelle. And she on the same, She's, same last name side. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. Because her brother he, is Arendelle. When he goes to um, Teresa Arendelle, he's basically pretends to be like kind of sleazy. Right. She's, he's like, we could break this will and I won't break the law, but I won't do, but I'll do anything up until not breaking the law. And kind of, he goes into this like, 
character of I'll, you know, do right. slightly underhanded things to help you break the will for a reasonable fee, wink, wink. Right. And never seen him play that either. Right, yeah. So, and, yeah. And Charles is, like, all about that. He's like, yeah, you can do that for us. But then he, Charles says, oh, yeah, she told me that we weren't going to inherit. And Teresa knew, too. And um, Teresa's like, what are you talking about? But I think he was trying to say, you didn't have a motive because you knew you weren't going to inherit. But apparently, but it's I not know, true. I think, so what happened was, is that Charles and, what's her name? The sister? Teresa. So, yeah, so... Charles hadn't told Teresa. So right. after she died, they both suspected each other, basically, because right. she thinks that Charles would have killed her. Right, because that's what And he thought about it. He didn't miss that. He thought about it. And then he thinks that Teresa did kill her because she didn't know about the will thing. Right. So at the time when Emily was murdered, um, Charles and Teresa both suspected each other. Charles knew that they had been disinherited. Teresa did not know that. And so they both suspected each other. And, right. But they're siblings and they're loyal to each other, so they're both like being mum. So when Praro comes to interview them, they're kind of telling conflicting stories because they're trying to protect the other one. Right, right. Like, you look murdery. Yeah, so, stop like, being so murdery. Because Teresa thinks that Charles was lying about knowing that. And Charles was like, tell him that you already knew that because then you wouldn't have a motive. And then when he goes and interviews Bella and Jacob. Oh, yeah, this whole thing. So, like,. I immediately, which is new, because I, I don't remember reading this book when I was a teenager, but I know I did, and I know I wouldn't have had this reaction. Did you but skip any in your reading? I don't think I did. And I I thought, did I skip this one? Because I, I didn't remember. I mean, did remember. you read them all on purpose? Did you say, I don't want to have missed any? Yeah, I, I think so. obsessively like I did, but at the time, it was pre-internet, so, like, I might, have, I might have missed yeah. one. Um, but, uh... But I'm just saying that my reaction now, when they kept talking about she was a good mom and she had these two kids, and I immediately was like, doing mother alert. Where I was like, oh, we have to protect the children. Are the children okay? What about this relationship between the mother and children? And then... This... Well, and they set it up to be like an abusive relationship. Because they kept saying that she only does... Like, she can't make any decision with her without her husband's blessing. They set her up to be really docile. And, like, they everyone's always telling... That, that she is docile. That she, and that, that she's totally under his control. And that she... Like, Paro asked her a question. And she's like, uh, uh, I have to ask my husband. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Like, he, she just... She comes across as just, like, in a, a woman in an abusive relationship. And then she does a thing right as she's leaving where they were on their way out. And she comes and says, I want to say something. And... Um, and away from her husband. Away from her husband. And then he comes around the corner. And she's like, never mind. And so it's definitely setting this up. And as I said, it's kind of playing on the whole prejudice against uh, Greek men thing, you know. Right. And so you go into this, like, protect. Protect the woman. Protect yeah. the mother. The mother of the children. There's only two children. And I wondered, I, as the book went on, and I saw my reaction to it, and I was like, now that you're a mom, are you just, you're just, you're doing the thing again. You're doing this thing. And I know, I do the thing now where I'm just like, and so I was annoyed 
at myself, but I also saw myself doing it where I was like, see, protect- and that's so funny because so you were worried about the mom and the kids, and I was like, abusive relationship, and I was like, I was like, protect her, abusive relationship, because the the Dr. Taniosi is charming and has it together, and he knows what to say, and he at some point, like as she gets more and more frantic. And more and more hinting about the abuse, Dr. Tanios comes and says, like, my wife's acting weird. She might be kind of getting paranoid. Right. So, not to believe what she says. Like, I, I feel like she might say some things about me, but I think she just needs treatment because she's acting really weird. And, of course, I'm like, oh, God. Oh, God. He's abusive. Oh, all the things. So. All the things. And she does a great job of, me- of, you know, like, messing with you. So I figured out, since I didn't know who the murderer was, Miss Lawson, in a, a later interview, says, I saw somebody bending down outside my room, which is at the top of the stairs. I thought it was Teresa because I saw this. This is on the, the incident of the, the nail across the, the, with the string across with the ball. And I thought it was Teresa because murder. she was wearing her brooch that says T.A. for Teresa Arendale. And the other detail we didn't set up is that, what's the, Dr. Tennyson's wife's name? Bella. But so Bella and Teresa have this awkward cousin relationship where Teresa is stylish on the town and lives with wealth, even though it sounds like she doesn't have the wealth to live the way she lives, but she she knows how to the highest fashion. She's buying the most expensive things. She's like on trend. And she knows how to wear it well. Right. And she's she's buying the thing when it's first on trend and first expensive. And Bella doesn't have that kind of money or you know, has kids and is like living probably a more of a middle class life, but she wants those things. So they refer many times to how she'll like copy Teresa's clothes, and then it'll all it'll look be wrong. like, it, and it'll be like the cheap version, the knockoff, the like that was in style a year and a half ago, and so it kind of comes off as tragic to Teresa and to people who understand those things. How it's like, oh, you're trying to, and she will literally copy the same exact thing, but. In a tragic way that everyone's like, oh. Right. Which, you know, and uh, yeah, because the, the thing, and you could picture it. Like, there's the cousin who wears everything and looks good. And then the cousin who's like, ooh, I want to look like her. And whenever she does it, it just looks wrong. And then. And it's the cheap version. And you, you noticed it late in your. You know, and you wear it. trend's already over. Because they talked about that Teresa had a hat. And then, like, two weeks later, Bella's trying to wear the hat. But she's wearing it on the back of her head instead of the front of her head or and it's just wrong. In the center and not on the side. Whatever it was. It was just, She's like she just was getting the She has apparently no fashion sense. So she looks at Teresa and goes, ooh, I want that. And then she tries it and she just screws it up. Yeah. So they set that up so that she's that and then set up this abusive relationship hints, like all these like hints. So then um, the climax is that, oh, we forgot to talk, before we get to the climax, the spiritual, <laughs> the trips was it the trips? The trips sisters, the sister, the Mrs. Trips. Yeah, Mrs. Meaning two Miss, two Miss sisters, plural Miss, and those, the Mrs. Trips. I, so. This is one of those when we were talking about we should get quotes. We wanted to have the quotes about describing the dog's inner monologue, which was great. But we should also get the quotes of how they describe them because it was like. I could see them in my mind, and they live in Eugene. They live in Eugene, Oregon. <laughs> and they, and they, and or they, Tacoma Park. And they, yes, Maryland. Yeah, and and their house smells like patchouli. Right, or yes. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And so they apparently um, believe in spirits that passed over, but in a way that um, that feels a little bit. I don't. Cultural appropriation is the wrong word because what culture are they appropriating? But it's a little bit like making it up. Making it up as you go. But they're into spiritualism. But like and, and the seance. reason and the reason they're in this is because the companion, Minnie Lawson, was kind of into them and their spiritualism and their seances. Before. And yeah. Like And so she would convince um Miss Arendale to like have them over and like do the seances or whatever. And Miss Arendale And she would, wasn't that into it, but she would like entertain it. She would come over and be like, sure, do the thing. But and Minnie then Lawson was super into it and the Mrs. Tricks would like do their whole like, Oh my god, we're here we're getting a message from the beyond and they're not scammers because they're not making any money at it. They're just they're just those people who are really those people who are Right, right. They just yeah. But apparently, all of the people in the beyond are nice people who get along, who are love and all the things, and they've got these. The message that you get from beyond is that I love you very much, and I always did. And we, and Miss Arndale in the first chapter where she kind of has her inner monologue is like, but that doesn't sound at all like the person before they die. Right. So, (laughs) So. that's not something they would say. Right. Love and light and light and love. And right. And so and there's, and so apparently she would, you know, might have dinner with the trips or might have, and then she would say something like, but that doesn't make but any sense. But that person would never have said that. Or... or, but that, yeah. So she would, and they would be like, oh, you just don't feel it. <laughs> yeah. And I love how we're making fun of them as if we're not woo-woo people. And so there's... I also noticed, speaking of which, there was a message for her for an EA about the key of the closet. And this was in the first chapter from okay. it. You and remember this first chapter real well. I'm like, get to the plot, get to the plot. But the first chapter... She's not even dead yet. Miss Lawson has dinner with skimming, the trips. Skimming, skimming. And they were guessing, getting messages from the beyond. And it was a message for EA, Emily Arendale. Arendale? Ar- yeah. Whatever. And, and that it was about the key to the cabinet. And... Um, and then that we get this, she goes, oh, that's funny because there was a key to the cabinet and we found after father died, a key to the cabinet and it was full of empty liquor bottles. So it wasn't important, but there was a little bit of like, <coughs> that could have been a message from the beyond. Like it, <coughs> but there was also a lot of crap, you know? And so I think that Agatha Christie does a little bit of um, messing with our minds with like, is that a message from the beyond? Because most of their messages are crap. So apparently the night before well, she... I, having read Mr. Quinn, I'm knowing this, this is post-Mr. Quinn, and although I, I, there was one compilation that we haven't talked about yet. I'm not sure if it comes later or if we skipped it, but it's like a spooky stories compilation of Agatha Christie. Oh, yeah, the one with the doll. We haven't got there yet. But I'm just saying that basically I think that she does. Her perspective as an author can be something's out there. Yeah, right, right. And there's also a lot of people who are full of shit or scammers. Right. Which is my perspective, too. Something's out there. 
a lot of people with blue shit and a lot of there's a lot of scammers and there's so I respect fair. her right you know because as a woo woo who is a scientist who knows there's scammers who knows there's people who think they're woo woo and mean right. it but still are full of shit like I, I, right, I respect right. her her perspective on it and so like the like most of the time people are full of it or scammers right right so what's important about the plot is the night before Miss Arndale died, she had dinner with the trips and it was during the dinner she was like, I don't feel good. It was actually she died a few days later, but she was starting to say, I don't feel good. And then right, yeah. She died just after that, just a couple days after. And but they said that she had a luminous aura. And Minnie Lawson and the Mrs. Tripps described it differently, but there was this whole thing about her aura. Their and aura. And how she was starting to emerge from the spirits of the beyond because she had this aura and she was luminous and her breath was even luminous as she started to speak because the spirit was starting to speak through her. Right. And so... But they had the lights off. And so, like, During every- the seance, because during seances, of course, you put the lights off make the spirit come through or make it seem spooky because you're telling ghost stories right and so everyone including me who heard the story were like you're full of shit you were imagining an aura afterwards so this is important for the end of the story so the end of the story is Bella runs away from her husband Mm -hmm. and goes to a hotel and says I'm in danger and then Poirot says move to a different hotel for your own safety, because she had gone to Miss Lawson and kind of appealed to Miss Lawson. And then she moved her to a different hotel and said, don't tell Miss Lawson. And then he said to Bella, I know who did it. And I don't know. Take this letter. Take this letter. In this letter is everything about the murder. Take it with you and read it. And if I'm. To a new hotel where you're safe. And and then her kids didn't go with her. Or someone picked up the kids. Okay. She went to the new hotel with her kid, and then someone picked up the kids. Right. So she's alone in the new hotel, and she reads the letter from Prowro. And um, and then she calls and says, "You're right." Calls and leaves a message for Hastings through Hastings and says, "You're right." Come over and we'll talk about. Come it. over tomorrow and we'll talk about it. And then they come over tomorrow, and she's dead. Right. And then of course Amanda. So. Right. Like, I was like, oh my God. Were you in this one? I love seeing your face like this. You're like, oh my God. I'm like, I'm, I'm PTSDing. I'm like, abusive relationship. He found her. I was just like, oh, I, that's the one. I didn't give a shit if Charles died. I didn't give a shit. I just wanted the mother and children. Really. What about the children? What about the children? Their mother is gone. You know? Oh and my I, God. It's like she knew which hit. Like she was able to construct this character that hit both of us in our sweet spot. So she, you're like, the children. And I'm like, the abuser. And, right. And so we just, you know. Oh and then we have the post- like the denouement with Proro and everybody where he tells what happens. And, and everybody's there except for the children. So Dr. Tanios, Teresa, Charles, Miss Lawson. I think that's everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does the thing. And, and, and Chrissy does something amazing. She says, I'll skip most of it. There you are.
Hello? I hear you in my head. <laughs> okay. Yay, Porsche's in my head. Okay, so, you look at that. We have audio. We're recording a podcast. I can see your video. Whew! That only took us like a half an hour. Okay, so you guys so, didn't know it, but we took a month-long pause in the middle of right. this episode. Literally a month. We um, were about, we, we took a little break, and then that night we didn't get back to it. Right. So it's a month later. I am back across the country. And we had to remind ourselves what we were saying. But I remember. You said you were in the middle of a point that you remember, which is amazing that you Mm -hmm. remember the point you were trying to make a month ago. So they get to where they get everybody in one room, except for Bella's kids. And Proro says, I went through a whole process in order to figure this out, but I'm not going to tell you the whole process. And, and it like, was kind of, goodness. Am- <laughs> kind of amazing because here's a guy who every time we get to the denouement part, he's like, and then I thought, what if my left t- pinky itches because someone brushed by me? I mean, it, like, it's, we are like, I was there for a lot of this and for the other stuff, why are we going through all the thought, pro- you know? It's usually pages and pages of Praro talking about his process. It is. And not in a way that I feel like I learn from. Mm-mm. Right. And he's at the both at the same time telling us how good he is at this while describing how bad he is at this. Right. So this <laughs> because is because he's this... like, I'm so smart at this, but the, I thought it was this, but I thought it was that. I thought it was this. And then I finally realized. And then, you know, what I, so this is two things were unusual about this book. The first one is that Proro lied and started telling everybody he wasn't himself and being like, um, I'm doing, you know, I'm buying the house. I'm writing an article. I'm writing a book. All this undercover stuff, which is very non-Proro. And then he doesn't waste our time for having 10 pages of all of his process. Right. Which, you know, very few people care about your process. (laughs) I mean, in my job, I can sometimes tell other teachers, oh, and then I did this, and then I did this, and then this is the outcome. But if I try to tell a non-teacher, and even sometimes other teachers, they're like, yeah, I know, it's a lot of steps. You're so right. Like that's true. It's it. Other people's processes are probably most times boring. <laughs> well, even when, <laughs> even when people, <clears throat> mom, come home from counseling, and say, "Oh my gosh, I figured out this amazing thing about myself. It was relevatory. I understand myself so much better." I remember thinking. You know, that is so much more meaningful to you than it is to me. (laughs) You know, because even going through, like, your process, which is, like, I'm figuring more about myself, that is a personal process, and it's really boring to most other people. Yeah, yeah, you're... (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I I never thought about that. It's kind of like again, like we were talking about that in the fiction world, the um, exposition versus demonstration. The right, but maybe that's true in nonfiction as well. People <laughs> rarely want exposition for how something works, and if so, you want a summary of it. Right, right. So anyway. maybe, and I don't know if this is just if this is, you know, just her progressing as a writer where she can have the moment where, you know, she gives, you know, the denouement and he explains it all, but it doesn't have to be so tedious. Right. Right. So, um, anyway, so he skips the boring part, goes straight to the explanation that Bella did it. Which, as we were talking about, you and I had been tricked by all of her things. All the tropes had got us right there to be like, oh no, poor Bella. We were just like so like worried for this woman and were like wanted to protect her and wanted to protect that. I wanted to protect the mother and child relationship. You were worried about the um, abusive relationship. It was all of the things. And then it turned out she was the killer. She was the killer. And then her motivation was weird. And that was one where I was like, do I buy this? Because what he said, the reason that he, she killed is that on Emily is that she hated her husband. She never loved him. And then just hated him more being together. And it seemed like that racism that had been sort of like woven into the book was like the reason like there wasn't another reason that she hated him, but just that like he wasn't the image that she wanted or wasn't good enough. And right. So... Or yeah, I or she yeah she got married for all the wrong reasons and and he wanted to send the children to Greek school and she wanted to keep them in England because they had been living in Greece and right. she wanted to send them to a British boarding school. But she needed money for that because that's what they were asking um, Mrs. Arendale for was money for to send them to school, you know, because everybody in England does go to Hogwarts. This is what I know. Because whenever (laughs) I watch a movie where it's not Hogwarts, but it's like, you know, Uh, what is it? Eaton Mm -hmm. or um, what's the other one? Anyway, whenever I, because I was watching um, the movie about Alan Turing, The Imitation Game. Did you Mm -hmm. see that one? Mm -mm. Uh, And uh, they show scenes from when he was a kid and he was at British boarding school and it was all boys. But I was like, yeah, that's Hogwarts because it's so unlike our school because it's Right, the concept of boarding school is very unusual here. It it happens here, but it's unusual. Yeah, and they're in uniforms, they're sleeping over, and the buildings are all like these huge castle-like things. And so it's more like Hogwarts than it is any school that I know. But anyway, so that's where I go when anybody says, you know, they're going to go to British boarding school. I think, oh, okay. (laughs) <laughs> Hogwarts. They're not going to yeah. wear magic, but that's yeah. Anyway, so she did. Yeah, so her- she she felt like 
she hated her husband and wanted to leave him, but didn't wasn't financially independent. And so she decides to kill Aunt Emily and to, she to she does the tripwire thing to do the whole like and and that was the other one that was you're like, hmm, do I believe this? Because he he the his his reasoning for figuring this all out was because the tripwire was a feminine murder. The whole time he's been like the, the the doing the wire at the top of the stairs is a female kind of a crime, which I don't know if I buy. Even if I'm going on traditional gender roles, I don't know if the like putting I mean, a, putting a, a trip, nail in yeah a literal tripwire is a necessarily feminine thing. But then I mean, anyway, so that, yeah, as and then we had a witness. Someone, someone had seen. Was it? Oh, it was the one who uh, inherited. It was um, Minnie Lawson, who who'd seen someone bending down and putting in the the nail and didn't process what it was at the time. And so that's why we thought it was Teresa because Minnie said she saw a brooch that was letters T A for Teresa Arendale. Um, but. It it, it was, was a mirror. mirror. So you had to set this up with the character names. Because Bella um, is short for Arabella. Right. So she's A.T. Arabella Tenios. And the oh, whole thing about that the brooch was so two months ago. Right. Um, so, yeah, because Teresa always wore things and then Bella would see her stuff and then get like a knockoff version of it. So she and was like months the, later. So right. like after it's no longer in, that's when Bella would wear it. Right. And so that's, anyway, so she's wearing, and we, when you're doing a murder, remember not to wear a brooch with your initials on it. Yeah. Like, and also like. This is good policy. Like if you're going to do a murder, don't wear right. a name tag. <laughs> well, also. Leave your, you know, employee ID. Did she have a, so my question is. Did she have a hammer? Right. Did she do you? I mean, you know, have you ever tried to do it? I often, as a night owl, get inspired to like hang things or like, you know, decorate, do decorating things late at night and mm-hmm. living high density as I do. I have done that thing where you're trying to like push a nail in with something I heavy. I have definitely done that. Because you don't want to make the bigging sound and you don't want to like, you know, wake everybody up. But it's pretty hard. And again, not feeling real feminine there. Feeling like that would be like a a man hand to push it through especially that like i imagine the the <laughs> molding the well, yeah, molding is going to be of this wood. old house it's, it's not going to be, be like the drywall that i can push through right exactly it's going to be hardwood yeah yeah and then why That's did she a good point. To... i didn't i didn't remember to think about that the fact that why like, how did, did she get a nail in and why did she varnish the nail? Was she just trying to cover the nail's color so it wouldn't? Yeah, look- you know, she varnished it so it wouldn't be shiny. It would be like the color of the dark wood. Again, how is this a feminine crime? This is this is a this old house kind of crime. It's <laughs> feeling very <laughs> This old house. This is the eighties. Come on, HGTV, Property Brothers kind of crime. Or come on, there's so many more recent than this old house. <laughs> But what I'm saying is they're trying to like make the 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 screw blend in with the old house. They're, she's not renovating it. She's like adding a screw but like not changing it, you know? Right. Oh, I know. Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah, it's uh Yeah. And and she's 
everyone described her as kind of not as popular or as pretty or as fashionable as her cousin. Yeah. Um, shy and not wanting to um, stand up to her husband. A good well, mom, but demurring. Too. Yeah, and, and that was a weird thing. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. So, and then she pretends successfully, at least to us, that her husband was abusing her, that she was under his control, and that, um, and successfully kills her aunt. Right. And that's the thing. The whole book, she is acting like so meek that like whenever anyone asks her a question, she's like, I have to talk to my husband. I have to talk to my husband. So it was like, was that an act the whole time? Right. Was it a long like, con this... like for 10 years? Right. Because it wasn't like when she got the idea of this murder, then she started acting meek like that. That seemed consistent with her behavior that she's just like, oh, uh, well, I have to see what my husband says. And then. But like you said, that's real. She goes from very unsophisticated to very sophisticated in terms of being able to pull pull off this murder. Right, and, and she had two we, different strategies. She had the mechanical and then fall down went, the stairs, and then the the whole like chemicals phosphorus. Which we poisoning. didn't talk about. So the reason why we had to talk about the trips in their woo woo, and then they were like, oh, she had an aura then when she started to feel sick is that she um, gave her aunt phosphorus. So she really did have an aura because they were sitting in the dark and she was breathing out phosphorus, which glows in the dark. Right. And so she she gave her these, like, liver pills, or I guess Teresa already had the... Excuse me, Emily already had the liver pills. And then so Teresa replaced some of the capsules Bella. with... Well, not Teresa. Sorry. Teresa didn't do it. Yeah. Right. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Bella replaced some the inside of some of the capsules with phosphorus to poison her. Right. And so she successfully killed her aunt. And yeah, so there was a little bit of um And the whole like I'm gonna I'm gonna act so meek around my husband, but in order to leave him, I'm gonna murder someone. Right. And then And not uh-huh. him. Right, and then she. If you hate him and you want to leave him, I can see her doing these crimes to him. Like I'm meek, I can't have the conversation. I can't have difficult conversations with you, but I can kill you. But the whole long con, I can kill my aunt to give me the financial power to leave you. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, and I don't know because looking just to remind myself of a plot because it has been Question. a month since we there read was, it. There um, was there are people ranting outside. Are you able to hear that through my microphone? I am not. Okay, well. That's just sounds of the city happening. Sometimes people are just ranting. Right. Okay. So anyways, go on. There's a lot to rant about in the North world. <laughs> um, uh, Wiki- according to the Wikipedia plot summary, she killed herself um, and was going but with medication that she was going to use to kill her husband. Well, she was about to kill her husband. But I didn't remember that from reading the book, the, the Wikipedia, like, oh my gosh, what's the plot? Because we re- I read it a month ago. No, um, no, definitely. I, I got that sense, too. That, And I don't know if it was always the plan that she would kill her husband or if it was just like kind of like the trapped animal thing that she was planning to kill him. So anyway, 
So this is a uh, an interesting thing because, um, and which is why think... she was planning to kill him, which is why Praro kept doing the like move hotels, move hotels, move hotel thing, because she knew if if she, it was basically we thought that Praro was protecting her from her husband, but Praro was protecting her husband from her. Right. But right. so she was planning to kill her husband, but and so instead when he when she reads the letter where Praro was like, "You did it." So kill yourself, which again, we're back to that. But in this right. case, Bra Rose has a better point being like, you know, your kids and what I, you know, your kids won't have to go through like their mom on trial for killing their aunt. Right. And Emily, the Emily Arndale, the original woman who wrote to Praro, um, wouldn't have wanted the scandal. So then the super right. happy, um, the super happy ending. Um, to Wayne's World, quote the super happy ending time was that Miss Lawson. Is that where that's like, from? Yeah. Is that where you say when you say super happy ending? Yeah, because they have multiple endings at the end of Wayne's World. Oh my gosh, that's funny. Um, okay, so this whole house is too old to reference, but <laughs> Wayne's World. Wayne's World is newer <laughs> than this old house. We are Gen X like okay but i'm just saying as a gen xer i didn't watch very much of this old house i have watched a lot of property brothers <laughs> so it anyway they're very tall and attractive and they renovate houses the people they renovate for often um have way too much money and yeah i was like they... yeah it's hard for me to imagine that in the context of this because like i have watched that but it's like they do the thing where they 3d model or i guess yeah. 2d model on have their you watched bargain block yet no so bargain block is a couple um two guys who um are renovating houses in detroit so the price point of the houses is let's say a fourth of the price point here in my city. Um, and they actually don't try to spend all of the money and get all of the high ends. They do a lot of the art themselves. They, they go and find, um, they do, they explain how to renovate without spending a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they're going from place to place in Detroit and they live in the house as they're, renovating it oh that's fun and they're also a couple i mean it's like it's cute um i like the one oh go ahead it's a little bit where you're like are you gentrifying or are you trying to bring detroit back to life because they are a white couple and most of right. detroit is so african-american gonna, right they're gonna price out the people who should be able to buy the houses but maybe. but we're not talking about I mean, we're talking about the houses are between eighty and a thousand, a hundred thousand when they're done. Right, but we don't know. Also, like if, right, you know. yeah. So, um, but anyway, so it's like one of those, like I don't know, but the it's a lot more. Right, is um, a boarded up house worse than a gentrified house? That's oh, complex. Ethics, right, very right? complex. Yeah. Um, and uh, the real estate agent is African American, and most of the people who come and view the house when it's finished is after oh that's good so, at least and they, yes they're not just trying to and as i said when they're renovating they talk about how they are doing things without doing with the property brothers which is like spending all the monies right 
Um, and cause they're, yeah, they know how to do it. And so, cause I used to watch home improvement shows to get ideas and I don't watch property brothers to get ideas. Cause it's like basically throw tens of thousands of dollars and that's the idea. Right. Right. Um, so anyway, my favorite is love it or list it. Oh yes. Cause they're snarky, but they're Canadian. So the snark is real friendly. Yeah. And then oh, that I whole like, them. Oh, I love it. Cause they're just, Oh, that's, that's my fave. Although none of the houses that he ever shows have a sidewalk. And they all, yeah, they all seem to be in the same neighborhood. I don't know what, yeah, I don't know what uh, province they're in, but they do not like sidewalks. And they were in, yeah. They, they always end up, they always end up loving it. They always end up staying. Oh, I know. The poor guy. He, he just gets screwed. Um, but I, I, I like that. They part. actually were sometimes in Canada and sometimes in North Carolina. Oh, really? I haven't watched yeah. many of the American ones. Anyway, but back to, so home improvement shows aside. Um, so Bobby, yeah, super- Bobby, Bobby killed his aunt. <laughs> and lady, what's his face, did some cocaine. And Harbury. Uh, Harbury, that's right. Um, so, yeah, so I think that we, super to happy find ending. the solution that's of what this, I was doing, was super, super happy, happy ending. Fun. There we are. They were back on Rain's World. Super happy ending. So Mrs. Lawson decides that because yeah, it's a podcast, so no one can see that we're doing our fingers. <laughs> if you haven't watched Wayne's World, imagine watch doing Wayne's. the finger the finger raining down Wayne's World movement. Yeah. Um. The, so Mrs. Lawson figures out that she wasn't actually supposed to get the inheritance that Mrs. Arndale only did that because um she or Miss Arndale, only did that because she was trying to protect her life. So she shares the money with Teresa Charles and Bella's children. Wait, no, there's more to that. So, when Bella kills Aunt Emily, and then the money goes to uh, Minnie, she's like, crap, my long con... It's work. It didn't work because it went to her. So she starts, that's also when she starts playing up more of this like victim of her husband thing because her plan, she's working on Minnie's guilt to get her to share the money with her and her kids, which was right. working. Minnie was about to share the money with her. But the other plot twist was that Minnie had been dishonest because what happened was at the end of her life, the lawyer even knew that to, uh, Emily, sorry, these names, Emily, Aunt Emily was going to probably change the will back. Because when she changed it, she was just being mad and maybe a little bit scared for her life. Right. But the lawyer was like, she'll change it back when she calms down, which she planned to do. So at the near the end of her life, she asked Minnie, she's like, can you call the lawyer and, um, you know, ask, you know, or can, can you, we want to have the will changed back. And Minnie kind of drug her feet on that. She oh, that's like, oh, right. around here somewhere. You already sent it to the lawyer's office. So she basically like jazz hands her way away from that. And because um, Emily was already like, you know, getting really sick and dying, she was able to confuse her. But basically, she knows she was shady because she was about to change the will back. She had oh, she had brought up that. and asked for her to have the lawyer come and change it. But she's like, oh, don't you remember? You already sent it to the lawyer's office, but it was actually sitting there in a drawer. So she was shady. And so I think at the end, I don't know, I forget if she ended up like keeping part of it or just 
giving it over to the remaining kids or whatever. But she she was shady with that. And right, Parvo right. figured that part out or she admitted it. And all of the prejudice against Dr. Tainos? Tainos? Tanios. Tanios. Every time. Um, yeah, so that prejudice didn't play on our emotions, but we got our play- emotions played on anyway. Yeah. What I liked about it in terms of Agatha Christie as a in terms of her social responsibility was for this time. So like you and I got pulled in even, you know, nearly a hundred years later into the manipulation of, you know, the woman and her kids and her like, you know, lack of power in her relationship. Right. But I imagine to the 1937 audience, a lot of people got wrapped into like, yeah, he's a Turk or Syrian or Argentini, something brown, bad. Right. And so that, that played on that. And so when that turned out to be like, no, it was this like, you know, the white lady all along. Then I think then that was also like, because you and I both had the like, oh man, they totally played into me. And I'm hoping that the reader, you know, the modern or the contemporary reader who at the at the time of reading it was like, oh man, I just, just because he was Greek. And like, it was, it was fun to us kind of feeling like almost beating it over the head because all the people were like, well, just because he's Greek, bad. You know what I mean? It would seem really obvious, but I, I imagine for that audience that it probably, you know, was a nice mirror for them to see, like, why did you assume all these bad things about this man? Right. right. And so I felt like in terms of her commenting on British, you know, racism and colorism, it was the best that we've yeah. seen. Yeah, it was really good. It was really good. By the way, you taught me when I was listening back to see where we were, you had like mentioned that slur D-A-G-O, which I hadn't even was aware of. I had heard him say it in the in the but I didn't know what that term was. So I, I looked it up and I was like, Oh, learning new slurs. Yay. I know, right? <laughs> yay. I know, right? Yeah, yay. I know. But um, so Anyway, so we get the super happy ending, and the other super happy ending is Bob went home with Pro Row and Hastings. That's a super happy ending. Right? Because, like, okay, a bunch of rich people get their money. You know, like, that's, you know, there was no surprise with that. Right. Teresa's um, fiance gets to do his research that she really wants him to do. Um, Dr. Tanios and his children can do what they need to do. Probably get the hell away from this family. Right. Take their money and go away. Right. Go to Greece. Yeah. And um, then um, Charles and then, can keep being Charles. Yeah, being a day's debtors and then get in debt again, I'm sure, very quickly. Yeah. Um, so they could do yeah. Um, but Bob was home with Paro and Hastings. Yeah. Which Hastings adopting Bob was the cutest. Yeah, because Poirot... Again, is, now, my question is, is he going to go back with him to Argentina? Yeah, it's he's got to, because Poirot and a dog? Yeah, Poirot was not keeping a dog if Hastings is not there. I mean, Poirot did, the, as I said, the only thing I remembered from this entire book, um, from when I read it decades ago to when I read it this year, was his description of a dog psychology and it was brilliant. So Proro understands dogs 
But that doesn't mean he's going to be okay with dog hair or picking up poop or any of the things. Well, he was rich enough. Do rich people don't walk their own dogs, do they? Well, still, though, I just think there's enough things about, I feel like, like, no, I think we said it perfectly, like, you know, Praro understands and empathizes and everything, but they're not going to be friends. Right. He's, like, not going to. Hastings, meanwhile. Oh, yeah. Hastings and Bob got along really well. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So that was the super happy ending. Um, And uh, maybe that's the other reason to make sure that Bella kills herself is that it's, you know. We can so, get to the... you were saying this is one of the ones that you, uh, a rare one that you didn't remember who the murderer was. Right. So, in reading it and then finding out who did it, did you see like, oh, I could have figured this out? Well, the like, AT thing I did. Crumbs the dropped? AT thing I did. Um, because the whole, um, she was wearing a brooch and then I was like, well, if it's, they had done so much playing up that Bella roared everything two months after yeah. Teresa did. And that she was looking in a mirror. I was like, it's clearly Bella. Like, you know, like I had gotten that part. Yeah. But I wasn't sure if Bella was acting under the direction of her husband or something right. like that. Right, 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 right. Um, because I was still being, you know triggered manipulated (laughs) manipulated by the whole like we have to protect the mother and children relationship which i know i did not have that reaction i was gonna say it's so funny to hear that in your voice because it's it having known you for all of my life that's not something that like would have like really stood out to you know pre two years ago portia it'd be like i mean yeah there's a lot of people here there's there's a lot of humans here it's like when I was listening back, like you're like the mother and her children. That does not sound like my sister, but you know, you having toddlers totally makes sense that you'd be in that space. But so many women would have that perspective. That's never been you. I know it is such a weird thing that now, like you sounded way I... more traditional than I'd ever heard you sound. <laughs> not that you wouldn't have always respected mother and children relationship. Like, I mean, like, but not oh, in that it's a weird... very traditionally sounded way. Yeah. Because I now want to protect every child in a way that I, I mean, I always wanted to protect children, but now I want to protect every child and get like upset about like children suffering. And of course, I've always been sad about children suffering, but now like I get upset. Um, Wow. And so, yeah, no, it's, it's, that was all the triggers for me. And Yeah. So, and I can imagine that she probably, Agatha Christie probably fooled me when I read it um, decades ago because being aware of abusive relationships and being kind of protective, I would have been protective of Bella. Right, for those reasons. For those reasons. The way I was, yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. But it's interesting because there's also, yeah, I don't really buy her motive. Um, and I felt like yeah, the whole... the, 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 it was almost really good, but her motive in her affect, like right. her as a character, her like the, the murderer who, again, when you come down to the end of a murder mystery, the murderer's character is kind of really important, right? And her character, like, I guess we're just supposed to assume that, like, 
we only met her during the long con. Yeah. No. And so she was manipulating us the whole time. Right. I mean, to come up with two completely different ways of killing somebody. And I think Praro had a moment where he was like, these look, these two attempts look so different, but here's how they're the same. And I'm like, but are they? <laughs> yeah, and the phosphorus one was kind of cool um, because of the whole aura thing that everybody yeah. ignored. And again, it's like when the everybody who was at the seance says she had an aura and everybody who interviews them goes, okay, well, you're just full of shit because they, you, people just say that and you were just hoping that you could see her reach the great beyond. And then it turns out, actually, they did see something. Right. Um, that also is playing on all of our, including our prejudices about the people who are like, oh, the spirits are talking to me. And so- Right, right, Play, playing up on our skepticism. Right, and so that was kind of cool too. Um, yeah, so like there was a lot. Yeah, that of there cool... was good information from these, you know, woo-woo biddies. They Who did was... have good information that we needed to solve the crime. Right, and just rolling our eyes at them completely, although they got it wrong, they interpreted it wrong. Right, right, and yeah. So there's a lot of um, nice, really nice, great touches in mm-hmm. it but it's the murderer doesn't make any sense you just well i think she feels like a side character even right. though i guess she isn't a side character because she has these moments of like where you're you know we're like oh my gosh she's being abused but she still feels like a side character which again right why she's a, a great like out of nowhere murderer because you're not right. seeing her coming right right oh why is my arm so sore? Swimming? Maybe. Or no, I wasn't swimming. I was crouching in the pool, holding children and then occasionally lifting. It must be this because I was doing a lot of like, yeah, yeah, lifting toddlers out of the up and out of the pool. That don't that don't be a good arm workout. My left arm. Oof. Um yeah, you can decide whether or not to edit that out because it just sounds like, you know, <laughs> complaining about my ailments. But, um, yeah, so it's interesting because, you know, on the Porsche scale, bringing it up myself for the first time. Um, Yay, Porsche scale. This is kind of, it's got some pluses and it's got some minuses. So it's kind of like a six, seven. Yep. I mean, it's still Agatha Christie. She's still, you're like, oh, I never thought of that. And whoa. And she messed with my mind. And I really appreciate all that. But then, yeah, when it comes to where I'm like, I don't know if I buy it, you know? Yeah. And the reason I call it super fat, happy, fun ending is because it feels like that, where they're just like, and switch. Everybody who's bad is dead, and everybody comes together, and it's all fine now. Oh, yeah, you're right. There is sort of this, like, and everything's, you know, yeah, you're right, like, Technicolor. I, can, I see what you mean. Like the mood. So, like, two people are, are dead. This woman is terrible. Like, yeah, there's a lot to process. And it's like, nope, everything's fine. And we all shared the money and had a dog. Right, right. So, no, I, I, can, I can see that. And it does, it does do that a little bit excessively. So, 
interesting yeah. but you would rate it as possibly as low as a six but you said you never reread this one so i could see it's probably not your jam it's not my jam and but it's you know because some... you empathize with the with the victim for one chapter yes exactly you got me caring about the victim because she shouldn't have been killed i mean you know people shouldn't kill people i'm this is all i'm saying I know, but it's so funny because I, I, you know, when when it's like the very similar character who we'd never hear from first person, right? You're like, like they were yeah, old, rich, and stingy, right? Fine, you're like there's so most of the people who die in her books are that, and you're like, right. so who cares? They were old, rich, and stingy, right? Should have they should have they should have given you know bigger checks at Christmas. This wouldn't have happened, <laughs> right? You're very funny, huh? But as low as a six. But I, but yeah, you never reread it. And I, but you know, I, to be fair, as I said, she messes with our minds well. And I think she, we got we got ahead again. You can completely ignore me. It's called the Porsche scale. So when I say we got it, you can say no, we don't got it because I'm Porsche <laughs> and it's the Porsche scale. But I would say she gets point for the social commentary. She right. gets points for the like comments on racism and 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 maybe teaching the audience a lesson like you and I both learned a lesson about making assumptions which you know that the woman who's acting like a victim or whatever isn't always um although is she is she contributing to where we have to say actually we should believe all women is she contributing to the narrative that's complicated though because we should believe women and women lie and I'm not, and don't please, you know, luckily, you know, we don't have a format for people to think that I'm an incel, but, right. you know, people take advantage of the emotion that you and I both had in this. Yeah. Women can be terrible people too. <laughs> it is less, less right. often occurs Yeah, and people are always looking for it. So right, you could you could say that, but I would say that the, her comment on the colorism stuff, right, is you know and whatever I don't know the ism that it would correctly refer to being done on Greek people as a right. British person, you know what I mean? Like I'm not sure which ism to correctly, but like that whole you know uh, ethnocentrism and all of that, and so like right, the other right. is the bad person. Like I feel like she 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 made a strong point with that. You know, I feel like right. she put herself out there with that. Right, right. She did. And um, so, yeah. And it, it's not like reading this story meant that the next time I heard about a woman who was possibly abused, I was like, I don't believe her. I'm like, oh, you know, because this is, you know, a fictional story and an exception. And, um, and that's you're right, course- though. You're right. You are right to say that, like, when we tell stories of, a woman false claiming rape or you know something like that then it, it reinforces the narrative that that could be true oh man now you're making this more complicated for me i know i'm sorry i'm sorry but i mean because it's like you know when we say yes all women yeah but then like it's like okay did you watch the office occasionally okay so like you know kelly on the office like if things are bad, she'll be like, I was raped or I'm pregnant or something. Like she's, she's, she's that person. Right. And then you're like, but, but it doesn't make me think that it never happens to people in real life. It's just, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Right. It's, right. Oh yeah. man, these things are complicated. We don't have, them. they're definitely complicated. 
Let's go back to talking about home improvement shows. <laughs> well, I like the book because of Bob. Bob the dog. He is. And it's funny because in really AgathaChristie.com like got... yeah, says that she loved dogs. She dedicated to her own dog. And it was this was her chance to do a book entirely for a dog. And then I'm thinking, well, why isn't there more dogs in her stories? This is like the only one. Yeah, she so. could have had a narrative like 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 if if Bob recurred as often or more often than Hastings, I'd be fine with that because I really <laughs> enjoyed. And his narrative was was more on point than Hastings most of the time, like than than you know the average of Hastings in most books. Like right, right. Bob was really spot on. He was, but he, he doesn't. Was. He doesn't come back. I want you to tell me that, like, that Bob is like gonna come back in another book. Hastings doesn't come back. This is the end of Hastings. The only mo- one that he shows up in. I didn't know this was my goodbye to Hastings. Wow, this is your goodbye to Hastings. Well, do, is okay. there? Do we do we find that out for sure? Like, do is there like a they had a moment or he died or something or does no, it just like just no come back a, in forty years. After Agatha Christie dies, a manuscript that she never published while alive um, comes out. So it was 1975. So, like, you know, Gen X. <laughs> and um, so after she dies, uh, a book comes out um, and published posthumously. Yeah. And uh, Praro and Hastings reunite. But it's a really weird book, and it's the very last book. And um, I think she wrote it at a darker time in her life. Um, What's the so name of it? Called Curtain. Oh. And wow. well, if so, this is the last Hastings, I like. I liked it, like, because I, I think she hates Hastings. <laughs> She has beat up on him so much. Right. He's been such an idiot. Like, but this one, I mean, I like the ABCs. He's not an idiot. It was a it was a good step towards this. He had some key information, and this one, it was like Hastings was the straight man you want him to be. Right. He was like the regular person to be like, are you making this into a murder when it's not? But he doesn't overdo it. And right, right. And this is not, of course, the end of Poirot. Perot um, comes back like I don't know how many more times. Well, you're looking that up. I'm going to peek out the window to see if this person's in a conversation with another person or themselves. Okay, now I can hear it. By the way, yeah, it's it's picking up in volume, and it's like sometimes these rants are a, a monologue, and it could be a dialogue. Oh, it's a monologue. There was a oh, man no. sitting across the street from my apartment. Holding onto the street sign, um, <laughs> ranting towards my window, but oh, he's across no. the street, and I, you know, I'm I'm up high, I'm I'm on the second floor, so, but he and he could be on the phone. He's giving, yeah, no, I think I think he's on the phone versus needing mental health services, but there's a there's a Venn diagram there, right? I think oh. I see an ear pod. An AirPod. I, I see some sort of an ear device. I think, but he is having a conversation, and I hear half of it. 
Wow. <laughs> what an yeah, interesting Carl place. Carl is in like 12 more books. Yeah, but she got sick of Hastings. But Hastings is done. Wow. Yeah, wait till we get to the um, Poirot books in the 60s. Really? Yeah, there's some interesting ones because it's like, yeah. Because, of course, she was quite old and, yeah. Anyway. um, Okay, so so what what was your final Porsche scale number for this one? Six and a half. Uh, yeah six and a half six and a half I mean considering that you never reread it yeah yeah it can't be as high as I would probably have rated it yeah how would you rate it I mean it's not like Mr. Quinn where you're like this is the best thing or no 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 it's definitely not the best I would definitely but it it would be on the higher for me. I would probably say a seven for me. Okay. Because I think, you know, personality. And then, you know, I'd, uh, maybe 7.5 for the dog. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, the dog. Because then there's Bob. I just, like again, she's such a funny writer. And so when she when she pulls that in, when she pulls in, like, that, like, wit that she has, it just delights me. And so I think, like, the, the wittiness comes through in the narrative of Bob. And like yeah. you said, like, this is a, it's a dark book. Um, yeah. And so, but that, that gives it some levity that doesn't feel inappropriate. Like, sometimes there's levity and you're like, well, that's weird because people are dying. But, like, you know, it, being Bob makes it feel. Right, right. Yeah, and exactly. the, and he makes sense because the whole thing was he was blamed for the original, right murder attempt, right where it was her his ball or something. It was supposed to be, but it was not his ball. All right, so what is our next book? What are we doing next time? Next time is Death on the Nile, which is a new movie coming out uh, in February twenty twenty two. So, you know, they did a 2017 uh, Murder on the Orient Express mm-hmm. with um, uh, Kenneth Branagh playing Poirot. Yeah. Well, they're doing a 2022 with Kenneth Branagh on this one, um, Death on the Nile. Oh, he's doing like a series of... And it also was another one in... Is he directing it as well? Or yeah. He... There was also a 78... Uh, version of this movie of this book so um it's been it's been like they've made a lot of movies of this one and i think partially it's because of the setting because it's on you know the nile in egypt so like they get to have and they're on a boat i think yeah they're on a boat going through the nile in egypt a bunch of rich people and so it's gorgeous Mm mm-hmm right that's a good setting for a movie yeah so anyway uh so that's the next one also um published the same year as this one when i look at her list of stories she did like three books in 1937 she was busy wow which you know i can't yeah she had dumb witness death on the nile and then 
Appointment with Death, and The Incredible Theft, all in 1937. So, and then she's got two more in 1938. Wow. She's a busy lady. Yeah. I plan to go through my stuff and get get a bunch of stuff to donate to Goodwill at some time in the next month. The ranting man seems to be getting into a rideshare app. <laughs> um, oh, I'm in a rideshare situation. Um, Which means that whoever is the driver will be like, yeah. oh god, oh. that's great. Yeah, I feel really bad for this driver. I hope. Yeah, well, he's in there, so he's no longer renting outside my window. He's now that <laughs> Lyft driver's problem. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but the this one was fun, mostly because, you know, it felt like I was reading a new one. You yeah, know that's I mean? going to be I, fun for you to not remember. To not remember. Um, and right now, since it is summer, I have read a couple of new mysteries I told you about the Thursday Murdy Club. And then right now I'm reading an actual book, not on, called A Study in Scarlet Women, which is another Sherlock Holmes fanfic. I've read like three of these. I mean, there's a lot of people who try to imagine Sherlock Holmes either set now or in the future. Or What was the other know, one for the listeners that you were recommending, Thursday Night Murders? Is it, is it Thursday is night, it, Thursday murder club, Thursday murder club. Yeah. And that's pretty new. And then this one's called a study in scarlet women and Thursday murder Co- club is now. Um, and it's old people in Britain. And this is set in 1890s. Um, and it pres- pre- um, has Sherlock Holmes. Isn't a dude. He's a woman. Who has Ooh. to pretend to, yeah, so kind of funny because nice. it's, um, anyway, so I, it's actually funny. I got to, this is interesting because now I was reading these, both the last two books, and I was like, oh, I got to talk about that part to Amanda. And then I'm like, wait, you're not going to talk about this one with Amanda. We're only doing Agatha Christie. But now every time I read, you know, yeah, books. Think about it this. I think about it in terms of like, oh, I got to talk about that part. Um, and uh, so it's interesting because it's like I'm reading it for this podcast Wait, slash book club. Think, think about it differently, too. That happens to me, too. I think about it differently. And like as when, when we finish Agatha Christie, we'll, we'll do other mysteries. Yeah, we're going to have or, to. Or, you know, when we, when we become sponsored, we'll, we'll, be, we'll say, oh, we're going to talk about that on our Patreon. <laughs> I feel like that's what all all podcasts do, right? They're like, we'll talk about this on our Patreon. Okay, what's bonus Patreon? content? So a lot of podcasts, oh. you know, like to 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 monetize it, we'll have like you know people who like pay five dollars a month or ten dollars a month, and so then they'll be like, okay, portion I talk about these other books, but you have to be one of our subscribers in order to oh hear that gosh. content. Oh, I had no idea. Oh wow, see. Well, yeah, if we, yeah. But the thing is, and we've talked about this, this is no longer a pandemic project. This is a pandemic. I know, we got we to gotta do a new intro. 
Um, this is talk just about how it started as a quarantine project. We're still in a pandemic that is, you know, look at the Olympics. It's not not a pandemic. Right. But it's not a quarantine. Right. And so it's still a project, but it, it's not the only thing I can do on any night. Right. Exactly. Wait, wait, actually, there back then it was this and doing online jack and jackbox games. I don't know if you've ever done that. Um, but no. we were playing jackbox games with friends. Um, so that's what that's what I that was it. What could we do at night? I could do this or I could do online <laughs> all games. We had. Was, all we had, but now we have options. We now could we can go do out things. to dinner. Um, we could have people over. It's like, whoa. So it actually it makes it harder to record. Um, but since you still live on the other side of the country, it's a nice reason for us to get together. It is. We've hung out more in the in in COVID than we did prior to that. Right. And because to not talk about what we have to talk about. Not talk just, about the things that are hard and complicated in family. Yeah, exactly. Talk about murder. Yay! <laughs> Light, light, lighter things like murder. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, all right. Well, I'm glad we got to finish this uh, episode finally. Right. Let's hope that they have some coherent parts. But at least we listened to the first parts before we recorded the second part, so we weren't going. I forgot who died. <laughs> <laughs> Where were we? <laughs> yeah. All right, and we will see you guys, hear you guys, you will hear us guys next time for <laughs> Death on the Nile. Death on the Nile. All right. All right. Do, 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 do.